0: Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book study. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater, and today is Tuesday, the 18th day of March 2014, and today we are reading from the Big Book. We are in the chapter, More About Alcoholism, and we are on page 35, and we're going to start our reading with the second paragraph, our first example. And today's readers are 12 Steps, Janice B., 12 Traditions, Rachel, and then Sally, Dew and Katie F. And the share code for yesterday, Monday, the 17th of March, is 6058. 6058. OA Preamble. All Readers Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no positions on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer, our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 Steps and the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous.
1: And I will now ask Janice B. to please read the 12 Steps. Hello, this is Janice B. in Vermont,
2: Recovered, Compulsive, overeater. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. and to practice these principles
1: in all our affairs.
0: Thank you, Janice. And I will now ask Rachel to please read the Twelve Traditions.
1: Good morning. This is Rachel, the Twelve Traditions, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic. The Twelve Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two. Each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. 6. An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass.
0: Thank you, Rachel. How our meeting works. for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request, this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted and today we resume our study of the big book we are in a chapter more about alcoholism we are on page 135 I mean 35 and we are going to begin our reading with the second paragraph our first example and I will ask Sally to please begin reading Thank you, Monica. Good morning, A Vision for You.
3: This is Sally, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in South Jersey. Our first example is a friend we shall call Jim. This man has a charming wife and family. He inherited a lucrative automobile agency. He had a commendable World War record. He is a good salesman. Everybody likes him. He is an intelligent man, normal so far as we can see except for a nervous disposition. He did no drinking until he was 35. In a few years, he became so violent when intoxicated that he had to be committed. On leaving the asylum, he came into contact with us. We told him what we knew of alcoholism, and the answer we had found. He made a beginning. His family was reassembled and he began to work as a salesman for the business he had lost through drinking. All went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. To his consternation, he found himself drunk half a dozen times in rapid succession. On each of these occasions, we worked with him, reviewing carefully what had happened. He agreed he was a real alcoholic and in a serious condition. He knew he faced another trip to the asylum if he kept on. Moreover, he would lose his family, for whom he had a deep affection. So I'm beginning with the sentence, we told him what we knew of alcoholism and the answer we had found. So he's come in contact with Bill um, and with it you're using the word "we" so we know that it's a group of men who have come to him, and they're talking with him about the solution this this program that we're looking at ourselves, the instruction manual um, he made a beginning, and what that says to me when it says he made a beginning is that he put he put his alcoholic drink down, and that's just like us when we put the food down, we are only making a beginning. It's just a start. There's so much work to be done because the food is just a symptom, as we know. His family was reassembled, and that tells me that his family fell apart, and he began to work as a salesman for the business he had lost through drinking. This is a very important sentence. He began to work as a salesman for the business he had lost through drinking. We're told in the previous paragraph that he had inherited this lucrative automobile agency. Now he's working as a salesman for this business. So you know there's a lot of loss, a lot of emotion involved with the loss of this business that he's now a salesman for. Um, He's clearly restless, irritable, and discontent. Um, All went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. And this, for all of us, is a very important sentence. When I read this sentence, he failed to enlarge his spiritual life, I am reminded that every time I pick up food, and for over 30 years, I was wrestling with the fork and with food. Because I had failed to enlarge on my spiritual life. I had no idea that it was about enlarging my spiritual life. And every time I picked up that fork, I was I was reinforcing a relationship with food. That's what I had. I had a best friend, a lover, food. That was my relationship. And when you put the fork down and when you enlarge your spiritual life, you are reinforcing your relationship with your higher power. That's what I have found to be true for myself. So all went well for this guy. He's, he's pretty much a dry drunk. Even though they don't use those words, dry drunk, he's only made a beginning. He's, he's put his substance down, and all went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. To his consternation, he found himself drunk half a dozen times in rapid succession. On each of these occasions, we worked with him, reviewing carefully what has happened. What that tells me is that when one of my sponsees breaks her abstinence, I'm not going to just quit on that person, because we're seeing here an example of how this guy was continually falling back into the stoop, his own personal substance, and they weren't abandoning him. They weren't walking away from him. On um, each of these occasions, we worked with him, reviewing carefully what had happened and This is an important component as well, taking a look at what happened before he picked up his substance. He was restless, irritable, and discontent. Did he turn to the program? did he turn to the steps? Did he turn to uh, doing the turnaround process that takes place with the fourth step and um I'm not sure what step he's at, but I'm guessing because he is just making a beginning that he's very—he's really at the start. And so these men who are working with him are saying that they're not going to quit on him. And, um, and this is where I come to for my own um, decision making process with my own sponsees that I'm not going to quit on them. He agreed he was a real alcoholic and in a serious condition. And what this says to me is that he's learning from these from these situations, from these falling back into his drink. Nothing is wasted, that I've learned along the way, that every time somebody falls back into their substance, they're going to grow from it to some extent. Whether they go into their substance and they stick in their food for a while and they continue to develop that relationship with food, eventually they're going to reach the bottom, a deeper and deeper bottom. And so nothing is wasted. He knew he faced another trip to the asylum if he kept on. Moreover, he would lose his family for whom he had a deep affection. And so he's getting more and more scared by what's happening. And that, for him, is progress. With that, I, sh- with that I pass.
1: Thank
0: you, Sally. And would anyone like to share on this second paragraph? Your name I heard a Judy, but I heard someone before that, and I didn't catch your name. It was Kim in Louisiana. Kim. All right. Kim and then Judy. Go ahead, Kim. Thank you.
4: Good morning. This is Kim in Louisiana, and I'm recovered today, and um grateful for that. Um, this uh, reading uh, reminds me of where I've been, um, failing to enlarge my um uh, my spiritual life, and in that um, I've been through the steps as they're laid out in the Big Book. Um, I had been through the steps as they were laid out in the Big Book. Yet I picked up during that process, and eight this time around, it was different. Um, I heard a, a step study, a Big Book step study sponsor say that they had a requirement of a 20-minute quiet time, and whatever that was, that you needed to do that before you left home. And I said, well, I'm going to try to apply that. And um, it made all the difference, because I had to get some discipline, and as I, you know, walked through the steps with the Big Book Step Study sponsor, I was ever mindful um, and in listening to this um this meeting that, you know, one, two, three, I had been through all of that. I had been uh, you know, not really taking the action, the action steps four through nine, um, the way that I needed to take them, being completely abstinent. So this time around, that was in the forefront of my mind. That daily conscious contact with my higher power, because what I clearly understood was that no human aid could relieve me of this obsession, could um, be a defense for the first bite. So this time, it was different. I took the steps as they were laid out in the big book, abstinent from the very beginning, to this day, and I can tell you that enlarging my spiritual life is grown from the minimum 20 minutes um, to much more than that. It's following a big book, following the steps, and following the clear-cut directions is laid out for steps 10, 11, and 12 daily. That. I have no choice but to enlarge my spiritual life when I follow those steps and it has led me into a deeper and closer fellowship with my higher power and I know that each day I have to grow along those spiritual lines because I get a daily reprieve and that means that each day I need to continue to grow because I do not I do not want to go backward and I know that I'm only going to go forward or I'm going to go backwards. I can't stand still in this process. So I'm really, really grateful today that I have a desire for God and not the food. Thank you for letting
5: me share in I pass.
0: Thank you, Kim. And Judy, you're next.
5: Good morning, Monica. Can you hear me? I can. Okay. This is Judy B. from Massachusetts, Grateful Recovering Compulsive Overeater. This paragraph is is just so meaningful to me because it talks about the time when we first come into program and what happens, what happens to us. You know, we we begin by working the first three steps. We begin by knowing that we are uh, completely, uh, without human aid, we are completely doomed. And... um, And I I just, the story of Jim just keeps coming to me. He failed to endorse his spiritual life. And I think back to my beginning in program and um, steps one, two, and three were just so important to me. And I think it's, I know we talk so much about uh, step three is just a decision. But for me, it was a commitment it was a commitment to this higher power that i'd come to understand and i'd 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 found hope from other people and i knew that there was a solution here and um with step 3 that step 3 prayer has just absolutely revolutionized my life because when i when i started on step 4 Uh, through nine, when I went through those steps each day, I always began with the third step prayer because I never wanted to forget that it was my understanding of God that was going to help me through this. And I just can't say enough about this commitment to this higher power, whatever it is for us, we have to know that there is something inside of us which will guide us through this program. It's just such a beautiful program. Um, And yet I think for so many people uh, who begin step four and flounder, that it's just so important to keep realizing and to keep talking with others and to keep uh, praying that God will lead us through this. And He will. It's just... Anyway, it's such a beautiful program, and I'm so grateful to be here with you all and sharing it with you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Judy. And would anyone else like to comment on this second paragraph? Barbara?
6: This is Deborah. May I?
0: I heard, I think I heard do. Do, did I hear you?
6: Yes, you did. And
0: then Barbara. And then uh, Debbie? And Heidi? Deborah. 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 And then one more. Heidi? Heidi. Okie dokie. All right, Dew, you're up first. And then Barbara.
6: Okay, thank you so much, Monica. Thank you for doing service. This is do Recover Compulsive Overeater. Um, I love this paragraph because it really, I mean, before we even get into the rest of the steps, um, we, we have to realize where we're at. We're in more about alcoholism. And for the next you know, the the previous chapters um, have led us up to here, you know, which is we have, you know, we're in step one. (laughs) Step one is about the physical allergy and the mental obsession. And that's what we're honing on. We're talking about what is the crux of the problem? It's the mental obsession. It is the main thing that keeps me here. If I don't get step one, I'm not going to be able to run to step two. I I have no need for it because I'm still in in willpower. I'm still in my self-determination. I'm still, you know, thinking that I can control this, that I can, uh, you know, my desire to stop will come through willpower, will come through my own self-determination. But it doesn't yield it. Um, It doesn't, my desire always ends up in failure. It always ends up in uh, my desire to control it, to manipulate it, to do it myself, unless I have God to help me. Um, You know, I have limited power. Unless I get that unlimited power which comes from God, um, you know, I I can't get this program. But before I even get to God, before I even get to that higher power, I need to know and understand in my innermost self that I am powerless. How do I get to that step? How do I get to that conclusion of feeling and knowing in my innermost self that I am powerless? It says it from the doctor's opinion all the way up to up to this point, that I must believe that my body and my mind are abnormal, that I will never, ever, ever be like a normal temperate eater. If I don't get that step, if I don't get that conclusion, if I don't get that through my mind that I can never eat like a normal eater that does it with impunity, with without ease, with ease, you know, I will not get step one. I will not have a need to enlarge and grow on my spiritual uh, enlargement of God. That's why we concentrate almost four chapters talking about the physical allergy and the mental obsession. Four chapters. That is talking about, you know, we must believe. We must understand this. We must comprehend this. The, the, the obsession lies in the mind. That's where all my actions, that's where all my thinkings, that's where all my emotions, everything comes from the mind. And the only one that has the power to straighten out the mind is the one who created it. But until I have that desire to stop, And it says it over and over in these chapters. and In this chapter alone, it says, if if I have the desire to stop, if I'm willing to stop, if I I have that desire that drives me to wanting to do things differently, to concede, to understand that I need to do things differently, that I need a different way of thinking, that's what the steps do for me. It helps me to change my way of thinking. It helps me to align myself to something greater than myself, which is God. But until I don't get that thought in my mind and I don't smash, you know, people say it starts at step four to work. Well, I beg to differ. It starts here, at step one. If I'm not doing the work of smashing that delusion, and start thinking differently, I'm not going to get step one. And I'm, I'm going to go through the steps. And then at step four or at step nine, I'm going to have a relapse. I'm going to go back to this. So it has to start. It has to start from the very get-go with step one. Step one is the most important step. It has to be done 100% with absolute perfection. What does that mean? That I have to concede. I have to concede. I have to know that I am different. If I can believe that I am different, then I know I can't go back ever to those foods, those foods that bring me to that allergy, those foods that I obsess over, over and over and over. It is not until I get that thought and smash that delusion that makes me think that it's the right thing to do to go back to those foods until that doesn't get accomplished, I have no desire to run to God. So here it says, all went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge on his spiritual life. You know, and it, it goes back to the step. It goes back to the step. Smash the delusion. Smash that thinking. We can't do it by ourselves, but the book tells us step by step that there is a way to do it. You know, when he says we review carefully what ha happened, they're reviewing back to step one. <laughs> they're not going according to the rest of the steps. They're going back to step one. What did you do? What did you think? What did you put yourself into that caused you to pick up that drink again? And for him was his thinking. For him was the delusion that he can pick it up again, that he could do it himself again, that his willpower was going to be determined, that he can control it again, and that's what got him there. So let's get step one. Let's get step one so that we can enlarge and we can run to the higher power.
0: And with that, I pass. Thank you, do Barbara, you're next.
7: Thank you. This is Barbara, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And I'm looking this morning, uh, as uh, we all are and have shared it, he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. And I'm going on to um, the, um, as it says, to his consternation, he found himself drunk a half dozen times in rapid succession. On each of these occasions, we worked with him. Reviewing carefully what had happened, well, what I'm recalling is a connection between their working with him to see what happened um, and the failing to enlarge the spiritual life to an early sponsor who saw that I was, I thought, enlarging my spiritual life. I was doing a lot of praying. And I looked upon that little corner of my bedroom where I did my praying and meditating as a little safe, holy mountain And, oh, I'm getting in touch with the God within, and I'm reading, came to believe. But uh, why did I then break down and go back to food and get fearful and crazy again? Well, when she, to my consternation, kept reviewing because she said, let's trace it. Let's face it. We're going to work to erase it. She used to say that, and I, I hated to hear it, but indeed it had to be traced. And what she found in me, was that my concept of spiritual life was misguided. I thought my spiritual life was, granted, prayer and meditation is part of it, but part of my spirit was those fears that I left um, buried, the pride that I wasn't dealing with. And though I did inventories, I didn't go deep enough. Uh, Looking at the honesty, was like, Progress in surface honesty. I needed to dive deeper. And so all of that work and the the God, then the small God, as she used to say, the small G-O-D, the good orderly direction of the steps, has to be tended to uh, as well as the big God. So spiritual life opened up for me as a concept and as a belief and as a commitment as a way of life, a spiritual life, my whole spirit, my whole being, not just my mind, not just my emotions, and not just the part of my body, but a really, really large unity. So I'm very thankful for that and thankful to be reminded of it this morning. I pass.
0: Thank you, Barbara. Deborah, you're up.
8: Good morning, A vision for you and my fellows. Um, This is Deborah, a recovered compulsive overeater, and very grateful for the gift of
1: um,
8: freedom from this obsession, uh, merciless obsession. And um, I am also going to focus, because it means the world to me, um, on I believe it would be line 25 of the whole page, but he all went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. And I came, I was blessed to come into this program um, um, 31 years ago, and um, it, you know, the only thing I really had uh, back then was the big book and the AA 12 and 12, and uh, there was a Brown book from Overeaters Anonymous, um, which was what I grew up on. And I thought I did very well, um, and I got some abstinence, and and I also was one just like the big book reminded um, that I would, you know, be careful or I would go out and eat again, and I did. And I remember being... I don't want to say thunderstruck, but after a while, after being out and then getting in or being abstinent, going back to the food and then trying to get back into the program and align myself with these wonderful principles and and find the freedom again, someone questioned me, well, why did you say you were recovered the first ten years? And, well, because I was. And they very just used the big book to remind me that you know if you're recovered you don't want to go back you don't need to go back you've had the uh, awakening you've had and you know and I can honestly look now um and identify with many um that I failed to enlarge my spiritual life I did not live in 10 11 and 12 and as we've talked about in the previous paragraphs, you know, the real work is working with others. I was too selfish, self-centered, and didn't feel qualified to give this program away. And I am very grateful for the study, the teaching, the reading, the practice of this book and the beautiful analogies. Um, And I just want anybody that's new on the line or is coming back that, um, you know, I had to write a new definition for my God. I, I have heard that God is, yes, good orderly direction. And I also really made sense to me when someone said, God is, could also be an acronym for grow or die. And that's what I did. I did not, I died when I went back to the food after a while, Um and you know i knew there's nothing like a head full of literature of about oa and knowing how it works and then like why am i eating again and it is a process and um i am grateful that these directions were written down and that i'm on this line this morning and studying it with you and supporting others and um I will pass. Thank you very much for letting me share.
0: Thank you, Deborah.
8: Hi, this is Linda.
0: Heidi, you're next. Heidi, and then Linda. Great. Thank you. Great. Thank you.
6: Good morning, everyone. And just to make sure you're hearing me fine.
0: Yes, I am.
6: Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, my name is Heidi W in Denver, and I am a recovering compulsive overeater. And I could so identify with uh, just this. Paragraph this morning struck me. Um, I came into the program uh, in January of this year for the first time ever. And boy, was it going well. I thought it was going so well. And in fact, looking back, I realized a little bit arrogant perhaps about how well it was going. And and I was going to have perfect abstinence. And I was going to work this program so great. And I'd have no problems. Uh, And I, I dove right in most enthusiastically. Got a sponsor. Started working the steps right away. And had put the food down right away. So I was feeling really great. Uh, and then life happened. Uh, I had a death, in, a death in my family. I had to do some travel around that and deal with family around that. And for a while I did okay. But little by little, uh, I, I started to feel less connected to my program. And I came home and was struggling to find that sense of... Um, uh, that sense of ease, that sense of, yay, I'm in the program, and this feels great. I feel so much better, and I don't feel depressed, and I'm doing this work. And I just didn't feel that. I was struggling. And um, and then one evening, I realized that it was Girl Scout cookie time, and my mental obsession took over. Uh, I couldn't stop thinking about those damn cookies. I, they were uh, calling my name, and I was thinking all these reasons and all these methods and all these ways. And and I did that uh, ping pong thing in my head for a couple hours one night and um, I, I finally lost the battle and I, I thought, uh, well, I, I would really like a cup of coffee. I think I could just go to the store and buy some coffee. And of course, that gave me an excuse uh, to go to the store and find those cookies and then I was finding other things and it started a, a holy binge right in the middle of the night, all night. And, um, and that scared me. That really scared me. Uh, at that point, I was um, uh, at step three, um, and we put step four on hold because I had to travel. Uh, so the next day, I talked to my sponsor, and she did have me relook uh, just to retrace. I like that retrace. Um, I'll have to think about it later to remember what that saying was. But that's just what she had me do. Uh, what was my thought process? What was my thinking? Where did I uh, where did I fail to bring in my higher power? Um, what did that look like? And so I did retrace that. And what I realized is, um, now, I'm I right now in, in the middle of step five. So I recognize I have a way to go in this program. I, I have not gone all the way through it. I'm beginning to have elements of what I would call a psychic change because I tell you, you, you can't put your inventory down on paper. And honestly and objectively, I, I couldn't look at myself without going, wow, wow, uh, that's what it is to be human. okay. Um, and, I, and so I've got a ways to go, and I am in the midst of this, and I recognize that. Uh, but there's still no denying that enlarging my spiritual being and improving that relationship with my higher power and with myself as a spiritual being
3: is a daily practice. What, what I had done to to fail, as, as the gentleman in the book, he it was going well, and then it wasn't going well, and he,
6: he drank. And then they worked with them and looked at this. And as I did that, I realized I had failed to stay immersed in my spiritual life. And and so I know now, and, and since that day, I've been doing better with this. I know a couple of things. One, I'm not perfect. And this idea of perfect abstinence and perfect path and perfect program, uh, I probably need to let that go because I think that's an ego thing for me. Um, but I, I need to be willing to to stay humble and to look objectively and carefully at my behavior. But but more um, today, I woke up today and I immediately uh, and it's still a discipline thing. It doesn't happen automatically. But I immediately turned my thoughts to my higher power and to my purpose for this day and and the amazing gift of being on this planet today. And then I ran through my shower and dried my hair so that I could get onto a vision for you. And and that's the second thing that I do every day to stay immersed is I listen to the recovery and I recommit myself to this. And then I know that um, when I get to work, I'm going to bring out one of my books and I'm going to do a little bit of reading. I'm going to do a little bit of writing, things to remember for the day. And all through the day, my busy, busy, hectic day, I'm going to stay immersed in my spiritual self and my spiritual growth by bringing it back, bringing it back to these thoughts and, and this purpose. Um... And if I can be helpful to people, I can't sponsor people yet. But that doesn't mean that when a coworker comes to me or when I see someone on the street that's having some struggle or whatever, I can look for ways to be helpful all throughout the day. And I can can practice all the principles that are taught in the big book all throughout my day. And this is what is going to keep me on track, this plugged in. That's what I call it to myself. I'm going to stay plugged in uh, to my higher power and to my greater purpose to my best self it's all that for me. And uh by doing that I'm going to continue growing spiritually and that is what's going to keep me in my program. Because it's not about the food. I'm not a wearer and a measurer. I don't do a food plan. I don't turn over my food.
0: Thank you, uh, Heidi. Food... Oh,
6: thank sorry. you, Heidi,
0: for your I'll... thank you for your wonderful share. I'll pass. Thank you. Sorry.
1: Linda, you're next. Star one to unmute, Linda. Sorry about that. I couldn't see you.
6: This is Linda, Recovered Sponsor from South Florida. Thank you so much for your service today.
2: Um, I identified a lot with the big book today. and um...
1: Linda, we're not hearing you. Linda, star one to unmute again. I guess we've had a little technical difficulty there. But this is Monica and I'm going
0: to jump in here for a moment or two before we move on to the next um paragraph. So I I get a lot of hope out of this, out of this um chap out of this paragraph here. And it, we are in more about alcoholism. We are learning and being taught about the mental obsession of our disease here. That this is the crux, this is the big problem that I have. A abnormal mind, an abnormal way of thinking when it comes to food, and um, so they're trying to show us this in these different stories, in different ways, how this crazy thinking comes about. And here is a guy who, who started. He started the process. He's made a beginning, and that sounds good. So it sounds like he's put the liquor down, but he he con- he continues to fall back into into the liquor. What's going on here? And it says he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. So, you know, that could be taken a number of different ways, whether he's failing to touch base with God or he's failing here to continue working on his steps. Maybe he did steps one, two, and three, but he hasn't gone any further. And to his consternation, what's consternation? His amazement, his confusion, his wonder, his distress. He finds himself drunk half a dozen times. And I don't know about you, but I know I had a similar story. So this gave you a lot of hope, you know. You got got two paths here, Monica. You either stay in the food or you get yourself back up and you continue working on this path. It's a process. And it was a process for me. But it gave me hope. They continued to work with him. Thank God my sponsor worked with me, continued to work with me. She didn't didn't say, I fire you because you picked up. She worked with me. I was a process. You know, I wasn't lucky to have it all at once. And I think this is great news and it's encouraging. So if any of you out there are struggling, keep at it. Keep coming back. And yes... We have to realize here, step one, that I have an abnormal body because of an allergy to certain foods, and I also have an abnormal mind, an abnormal way of thinking. I didn't ask for these. Is it my fault? No, it's not. But we have a solution. You know, I am responsible. There are actions I can take. And if I take these actions, I can get relief from this. And those actions are working through the steps. And with that, I'm going to pass. And let's move on to the next paragraph. And do, could you read for us, please? Yes,
6: yeah, just do uh, Recover compulsive Reader. It says, "Yet yeah, he got drunk again. We asked him to tell us exactly how it happened. This is his story. I came to work on Tuesday morning. I remember I felt irritated that I had to be a salesman for a concern I once owned. I had a few words with my boss, but nothing serious. Then I decided to drive into the country and see one of my prospects for a car. On the way, I felt hungry, so I stopped at the roadside place where they have a bar. I had no intention of drinking. I just thought I could get a sandwich. I also had the notion that I might find a customer for a car at this place, which was familiar for I had been going to it for years. I I had eaten there many times during the months I was sober. I sat down at the table and ordered a sandwich and a glass of milk. Still no thought of drinking. I ordered another sandwich and decided to have another glass of milk. Wow. Um, You know, so here we see that you know, he got drunk again. And, um, you know, it starts off that way. It says, you know, here it is, repeating the same behavior over and over again. But this time it says, we asked him to tell us exactly what happened. So they're tracing the cause, the trigger of what happened. And he tells his story, and already we see some of the symptoms that's leading him up to those thoughts, those you know, that irritation, that anger, that um, relapse that he had. It says, I came to work on Tuesday morning, I remember I felt irritated. I mean, he was angry. He was angry about the situation that he had with the salesman, who um, was his boss now. I, I mean, he was a salesman now where he used to own this lucrative automobile, and now he's having words with this boss who's taking over his practice, and he's really upset over it. Um now we go into um, the part where he says, I felt hungry, I stopped by a roadside to, to have something to eat, and he had no intentions of having a drink. He was just going to get something to eat, and then he's looking for a prospect at this, at this place. Um, you know, and then it says, uh, he had been doing this for many years while he was sober, and then he had eaten there many times um, before while he was sober. So he thought it was okay, you know, it's okay, everything's going to be fine. And he orders a sandwich and a glass of milk and then he goes on with his thoughts. But what I see here is, you know, that slogan that says, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. You know, we put ourselves in situations way before, (laughs) way before. And where does it start? It starts with our thinking. It starts with our thinking. Our thinking is upside down. Our thinking is twisted. You know, um, what we think is of no import. It's what God thinks, you know. And when I align myself with my own thinking versus God's thinking and not invite God in and not enlarge my spiritual life, this is where I fail. This is where I fail because I'm still trying to do it myself. And here he is. You know, it says that he had done this many, many times. Many times he had gone to this place. You know, it was familiar to him. You know, the place was familiar. The things were familiar to him. Um, you know, now he's getting hungry. Now he's, um, you know, also in a, in a precarious situation. He puts himself there. Um, I, I don't see anywhere here where he invites God in, where he's talking to God and, and making these decisions. Instead, he's in a place of self-will because he's he's in that place where he's angry. He's upset. He His thinking is twisted at this point in time. He's not thinking straight. And, you know, and it's just like myself. You know, when I go to the supermarket and I go hungry into the supermarket and I'm going down those aisles and I'm putting myself in a high-risk situation, what happens is the disease is on the unconscious level and then it manifests into the consciousness. And, you know, at this point in time, when it manifests into the consciousness, what takes over? My will. My will. My will increases. God's will decreases, you know, because I'm going to do things my way. The difference is if I'm doing it God's will, this is the difference. God's will is better than anything that I could have thought of myself. One of the ways is the results of myself and others. You know, I don't care about the outcome. I don't try to control the situation. I don't try to play God. Um, I do everything to surrender and be in humility to God. You know, um, I try to see God working through me. Here, that's not what's happening. He's he's going into what he thinks he needs to do to take care of himself. Um, He's not inviting God in. He's not letting God uh, work through him. So the thought, the twisted thinking comes in, and he he thinks that he can control what he's about to eat and what he's about to drink, you know. And, um, again, you know, if I'm not aligned with God, if I'm not doing things according to God, uh, I'm going to fall into the trap. And he's already fell into the trap because he's already set himself up to the place, the location, you know, the things that he's doing, he's setting himself up for the relapse. And he doesn't even know that. Um, but it's it's part of our thinking. It's part of what why we review our first step history. Because we need to know in our innermost selves what it is that puts us into those situations before we get there. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, do. Would anyone like to comment Marie? on this paragraph? Marie. Deanne. Marie, melanie Marie wo whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Marie leia, um I don't know who else I heard <laughs> let's go with Marie and Leia. We are getting short on time, and then we'll we'll come back and see what we can do. thank you, Marie. You're next,
9: thank you very much. I'm Marie from Wisconsin, a compulsive over overeater, and I have been in away for a long time and I've been in and out of food and in and out of food and in and out of food. And um, In October, I heard Louisa talk about Step 10 and with Harlan, it was my understanding that you don't have to be at Step 10 to go through this process. It's program number 5371 and it has given me such a method to work through what's going on when I 'm disturbed, that I'm supposed to do it throughout the day, if I wait too long, my crazy thinking gets back in there, and um, it is so helpful. the process that they gave on fifty three seventy one and I am so grateful for for how a method to get my crazy head out of the the food, and with that I pass.
0: Thank you, Marie. And Leah, you're next.
10: You're up. Thanks so much, Monica. Good morning, everybody. It's Leia Recovered Compulsive O reader. So much in this paragraph. I'm sure we'll visit it again tomorrow. Uh yet he got drunk again. So again this is uh <laughs> this is seven times in a row for dear Jim here. Even though he's had a good talking to you know, uh, by uh, Bill and Dr. Bob. Uh, This is seven times in a row, which reminds me that, um, you know, self-knowledge about the illness is not enough. You know, uh, knowledge about the disease and knowledge about the consequences isn't enough to conquer the obsession of the mind. The big book teaches me that uh, we are absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. I mean, this same... A scenario happened to uh, Bill, if you'll recall, in his story where, you know, finally his incredible behavior was described to him, you know, by by Silkworth. And understanding himself now, you know, he fared forth in high hope. Surely that was going to be the answer, self-knowledge, and of course it wasn't. Uh, Bill was back in the bottle, and so was Jim, back in the bottle, Again, you know, um, there's so much here, you know, I look at that part, you know, on the way I felt, I felt hungry, so I stopped at a roadside place where they have a bar. I had no intention of drinking. Of course not, right? I just thought I would get a sandwich. I also had the notion that I might find a customer for a car at this place, right? Because everybody who's looking for a car. Where do they go? They go for lunch at a restaurant when they're looking for a car. Um, (laughs) I have a friend who calls this SUDS, Seemingly Unimportant Decisions. Meaning that we, uh, you know, make decisions, um, which put us in places, uh, when we're very vulnerable, lead us into places that are very slippery. I mean, all this obviously is speaking about, um, the obsession of the mind. Jim perhaps, uh, came to the conclusion, perhaps of step one, two, maybe three. But he did not enlarge his spiritual life, and the way that we enlarge our spiritual spiritual life is by doing steps four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten um, because we need to deal with this irritation, this resentment that's percolating uh, between his ears yes he was sober uh, when he walked into this restaurant yes the monkey may be off his back but as you can tell the circus was still in town (laughs) he we you know every day that we put off step four every day that we put off these steps is another day where we're restless another day where we're irritable another day that we're discontent, another day of unresolved conflicts, another day of, um, you know, just uh, self-will run riot. And at some point we can only take that for so long like a ticking time bomb and uh, we explode. And indeed he will explode by making a decision that's going to lead him back to that which kills him once again. And with that I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah, and thank you to everyone
0: who has shared. We've come to the end of our time this morning, and we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Katie F., could you read that for us, please?
3: Good morning. This is Katie, a recovered compulsive over in Virginia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little.